the wonders of how they were made. The oceans and tides are still dancing in time. One day their expanses will Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Worship at Fusion this morning. We're so glad that you made it around the construction. I'm not going to lie, we like walked part of it <laughs> this morning, so we're glad that you're here. Um, at this time, let's hear the word of the Lord. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. All right, we invite you to stand and worship with us.
Good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody's happy faces this morning. Kids, if you guys want to start migrating that direction, we're going to invite you guys down to Children's Ministry. So if you want to head over to the doors over on that side of the room real quick, while our little ones are heading that direction, as always, thank you guys for all the donations that anybody is making towards Heart Awake Ministry and the ways that they bless the ministries that we can do in the community. And, and long ways away from us, uh, there's always ways to donate online and also in baskets by the doors as well. Kiddos, are you guys ready for your parting blessing here? You guys ready for this? Adults, you ready too? Adults, start with me. Here we go. The Lord be with you. Hey, pretty good. I like the energy. Have a good morning, guys. Have a good morning. Well done. All right, that's going to take us right into a time of prayer. If you guys would... Uh, Join me as we begin reading the first few verses of Psalm 103. Let's pray. Praise the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. It's you, God. It's you that does those things for us. And help us to never forget that. Grant us this daily joy as if every day was the first day of a kid's summer. Thank you for the blessing of the beginning of the summer season. There's so much to be excited about. Beach days, camping, cookouts, and simple time spent with friends and family. Help us and remind us to take advantage and to savor those moments of summer that you grant for us this year. Lord, help us to be a community that helps each other. We all have strengths and we all have needs. Grant us the vision to see where there is need, the courage to step up when we see that need, and the gifts to help and address that need in a way that helps your kingdom thrive. Lord, thank you for those in our community that have gone before us to establish what we have here. Leaders of our church, longtime members of our church. Hardwick is a special place because of the blessings that you have given through its people over the years here. Help us to carry on that legacy of being a community-based, strong, active, and gospel-centered people here at Heart Awake. Lord, help us to see you this week. We know that you're here, but our eyes are often shut or focused on other things. Grant us the vision to see where you are working and where you are present. Thank you for being a God that is present, that is personal, and that is powerful. May we hear your words today, Lord, in a way that moves us much closer to you. Amen. Hey, thanks, Nate. Good morning, Fusion. Good morning. Hey, I am Pastor JB. If we haven't met, let's make that happen sometime. Just to just explain, so I don't have to explain, every time I meet someone or talk to someone, I'm wearing a mask this morning. I don't know if you can hear it. Got a little bit of a frog in my throat, so just trying to be extra precautious. Um, but anyway, so now, now you know. All right. Uh, otherwise, uh, it is good to be together. It's good. It's first day, uh, first Sunday kind of of summer break. Can I get some cheers? Can I, can I get some laments maybe? Oh, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> Just a quick, uh, quick little word. Um, Wednesday walks. I don't know. How many of you, if you are not getting the, the emails during the week um, and you'd like to get those emails, I sent out an email. Try to give, send one out um, on, on uh, Thursdays, um, but do that little text to connect, and we can get you on the email list. But I mentioned it again this week, Wednesday walks. I don't know about you, but I'm continually trying to find space in my life to just take time. And I need to set that space aside. And so starting this week, 7.30 in the morning, uh, I'm going to be gathering at the pavilion, uh, read some scripture, uh, and then walk our beautiful trail here through the woods at Heart Awake, and then end at the s pavilion, read some more scripture, psalms, and the whole point is just to notice God in his beautiful creation. And if you want to join for that, you're more than welcome to. I picked 7.30 in case someone could maybe sneak in before work, but anyway, there's an invitation. Also, at the end of the month, uh, June 26th, uh, this was in the email as well, we're looking at doing a little grill out at the pavilion after fusion, so a little lunch gathering, kind of potluck style, some, some more details will be coming regarding that. All right, we're all caught up. And 
Today, we begin a new sermon series. Y'all excited? All right, I'm excited. All right, shifting gears. We are starting a new sermon series called Everyday Wisdom. It'll be a journey uh, in the wisdom literature of Scripture. Predominantly, we'll be spending our time in the book of Proverbs, but we'll also be kind of dipping our toes in Ecclesiastes and Job. Um, And really, our guide for this summer series is Tim Keller wrote a daily devotional with his wife, Kathy, uh, 365 days through the Proverbs, God's wisdom for navigating life. Pastor Bill started this devotional in January and was just so struck by it. And uh, after getting a week in, I mean, I could have just read this for the sermon this morning. It is just, I mean, what Tim Keller can do in few words I just keep talking, you know. It would take me like a whole multiple volumes to get the wisdom that he does in each day. But anyway, we're also going to be using Bible Project. And I know I am like a broken record talking about Bible Project, but it is just such an amazing resource. Here's uh, here's Here's the poster that they put out on the book of Proverbs. Because the book of Proverbs is unlike other books in the Bible, many other books, in in the sense that it doesn't take like a linear track. And what I mean by that is, is so for us to, to work through the book of Proverbs, and we were, if we were to go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, uh, it wouldn't be all that helpful um, because it's not, it's not designed in a straight line. Bible Project does a nice job of kind of organ, how it's organized. And so you'll notice even like uh, commentaries on the book of Proverbs, it's like Proverbs 1 through 9 and then the rest of the book. It's kind of split into two. So the two main movements, chapters 1 through 9, Um, is a series of 10 speeches written from the perspective of a father to a son. And then interlaced between those 10 speeches are four poems, wisdom poems, written from the perspective of this this lady lady wisdom, as scholars will call her, a a personified uh, image of wisdom in the scriptures. And then chapters 10 through 29, those uh, 20 chapters, is kind of what we typically think of when we hear Proverbs right, kind of two-line words of wisdom kind of often in parallel. That's where the the vast collection of the Proverbs that we typically think of are found. And then the book ends with chapters 30 and 31, a, a series, a collection of poems. So there's kind of an overview of the book of Proverbs. We're going to talk a little bit more about introduction in just a few moments. But for the series for the summer, we're going to spend most of our time in chapters 1 through 9, uh, reading uh, some of these words of wisdom, and then we'll be, we'll, be, we'll be kind of picking out different Proverbs along the way. So that's our plan for the summer. Make sense? You with me? All right, exciting, exciting, exciting stuff. So this morning, though, we're going to begin in the introduction of Proverbs. Proverbs is introduced, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, and we're going to just begin to wrestle with and explore this question of what is, what is wisdom? It's a good question. What is wisdom? To help us uncover that, unpack that, we pray and trust the Holy Spirit will open our hearts through his word, which we're going to read right now, and if you're willing and able, I invite you to stand as we hear God speak to us. Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. Word of the Lord. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Join me in prayer. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word, word that is indeed packed with wisdom. Holy Spirit, we pray and we trust that you will open our hearts and our minds to your word and to your wisdom. Lord, may we be challenged, may we grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We pray all this in his name. Amen and amen. Proverbs and wisdom. Wisdom and Proverbs. Uh, as we open, I, I th- can we just agree on, on this premise? I think we can agree on this. That, that smart 
doesn't necessarily equal wise. Brilliance does not necessarily equal wisdom. Can we agree on this? Can you get an amen to that? Yeah, I think we all understand that. We get this. We get this. We understand this. Uh, one, a couple of examples from pop culture. How many of you watched the show Big Bang Theory? Big, any, are familiar with Big Bang Theory? Yeah, kind of a fun show. I, I don't, we haven't gotten really into it, but I know some of the characters. One of them is Sheldon, right? There's a character named Sheldon. He's brilliant, right? A brilliant mind. But the, the comedy in the show is he's not that great at interacting with people, like his people skills. So some not necessarily wise as far as, far as emotional EQ, right? That's one example. Uh, on the other side of the spectrum, Yoda. Anyone? You know Yoda? You know who I'm talking about? Star Wars, right? He's wise, right? But can we talk about like grammar and sentence structure for a moment? Right? Yoda's got a little work to do with that. Okay. It's kind of some fun examples. Here's another one. Um, I think about kids. Kids. My kids. Think They're not here right now, right? Uh, but parenting and kids, right? Um, I, I think about my kids and, and how they can be so smart, right? Our kids can be so intelligent, but oftentimes they use their intelligence in kind of sneaky ways. Anyone relate? No one's willing to raise their hand on that one in front of kids, right? Here's a couple of examples. I, I've shared this one before. Uh, Emmy is, is really smart. and She knows my, my soft spot. And she did it to me last night. Yvonne can attest to this. But she gets up and she says, and I've, done, I've shared this, can we cuddle? And I'm like, oh, you should be going to bed. But yes, you can cuddle. Like she knows. She knows. And so we cuddle and she gets to watch the end of an HGTV show, right? And then finally it's like, okay, go to bed. You need to go to bed. The other example was, was Bryson just a couple weeks ago. We... Um, We've really been having to get on him about brushing his teeth. Anyway, that's not, a, that's not a unique struggle. So anyway, we're like trying to get him to brush his teeth. Well, in the process, he's picked up using mouthwash, which is kind of bizarre. Um, and, and all of a sudden, we, I, I, we go into our bathroom, and Yvonne and I look over, and this kid has got the wa- mouthwash open, and he's filling it with water. We're like, what are you doing? Don't do that. And then he looks at us. He's like, but it's spicy. It's too spicy. And I'm like thinking, that's actually pretty smart, right? <laughs> like, that's smart. He's understanding the, whatever, the principles of dilution. That's not really a thing. But, you know, he's diluting the mouthwash to make it less spicy. Like, he's thinking, he's being smart, but he's messing up my mouthwash. So he's not being wise, okay? This actually reminded me of a story. Uh, me and my older brother, we, growing up, we, we shared a room at the first, well, the second house we were living in. We shared a room, and so two brothers, two years apart, sharing a room, nighttime. Are we going to bed? No. We're, we're goofing around, you know, and we're making a bunch of noise. We're making all this racket, and my parents are in the living room or the family room, and they're calling to us, and they're saying, boys, keep it down. Go to bed. You know, well, this continues multiple times until we get the, the stern voice. Boys, get in here. Now that's where the frog in my voice helps. Boys, I'm covering my mic. Get in here. Yeah, there it is. Get in here. And we're like, oh no, because we know what's coming, or we think we know. Like punishment's coming. This is kind of back in, anyway, the punishment was a, a spanking. You know, that's what we thought. So me and my brother devised this plan and we, get, we, go, you know, we go to the bookshelf and we grab some of these, these hardcover books and here we are stuffing books down our pajama pants. And so then we come waddling out there like, okay, we're ready, you know. And of course, there's this big square book in our pants, you know. And so my, it actually was kind of smart. They just laughed and let us go back to bed. And anyway, so it kind of worked. Smarts being used for mischief brilliance, smarts, doesn't equal wisdom. I mean, I think we understand this truth. I mean, think about our world today. We, we know more than ever before. We have more information. We have more knowledge. There's been more discovery in the last hundred years than all of human history. And yet, the question is, are we wiser than ever before? And I think a lot of us would be like, mm, not so sure, Right? We understand that wisdom does not equal smarts, or smarts does not equal wisdom. But here's what we want to start to do today and in this series. Ask this question, what is wisdom then? What is wisdom? And more specifically, what is, what is biblical wisdom? And how do we define biblical wisdom? 
these seven verses that we just read kind of draws out a pretty extensive picture and description of what is wisdom. But before we get to that, what I want to begin with is kind of an introduction to the wisdom literature, to the Proverbs, because we need to understand how to read and how to interpret and how to use the Proverbs and the wisdom literature as a whole if they're going to be of benefit to us. Because I think there's some temptations and some mistakes we make along the way. So let's begin by looking at Proverbs, and it really kind of opens up with verse 1. The book of Proverbs opens this way. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now that's some very specific information that seems worth, significant and worth exploring. And so let's get into the, the we're going to get into the Proverbs, but first let's talk a little bit about Solomon. The Proverbs of Solomon. The Proverbs of Solomon. The book is attributed to the King Solomon, who, if you know from, from Israel's tradition, was the father of uh, Israel's wisdom tradition. And do you remember why, why, why was Solomon kind of the father of Israel's wisdom? If you remember in 1 Kings, and this is kind of a little snapshot from Bible Project, uh, their Kings poster, but kind of giving a summary of 1 Kings 1 through 11. 1 Kings 3, we're told, you know, God offers to give Solomon whatever he asks. He's, he's king, and so he asks for wisdom. He asks God for wisdom, and God gives Solomon wisdom. For by, by 1 Kings chapter 4, we're told Solomon is the wisest man in the ancient world. People from, in fact, we're told that people from around the ancient world would travel for miles to visit with Solomon so that they could receive some of Solomon's vast wisdom. But if you look at, at the trajectory of Solomon's life, and if you know Solomon's story, what you realize is that Solomon would not remain wise. By the end of Solomon's life, he has hundreds of wives and concubines. He's led Israel into pagan worship, and he's one of the worst offenders. He's gone from wise to foolish by the end of his life. And it leads to the splitting of the kingdoms, right? North and south. Solomon's story reminds us that wisdom requires diligence of some kind. Wisdom must be fostered because wisdom can be lost. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But for now, let's consider the Proverbs themselves. The Proverbs themselves. Before we get too far into the series, we need to, to have a healthy understanding of what is a proverb and what a proverb is not. So we've got to understand the Proverbs themselves, specifically uh, those, those, those sayings in chapters 10 through 29. In fact, I think this will help immensely if you read and you study the Proverbs. And, and I think, actually, Bible Project just does a fantastic job distinguishing the Proverbs from other genres of Scripture, right? The Proverbs are different than the laws, like the law in, in Scripture that are the thou shalls and the thou shall nots. The, the Proverbs are different than, than prophecy in Scripture. Thus saith the Lord. Th they're, they're different. Here's a helpful way of understanding. Again, this is from Bible Project. I'm telling you, they just do a really good job of this. Proverbs, what Proverbs are, are Proverbs are probabilities. Proverbs are probabilities. Proverbs are, are giving us basic probabilities in life. In other words, generally, when you live this way, and the graphic kind of shows that quite simply, fear of God, if you, if you live with wisdom, generally things will go great. And if you don't live this way, if you don't fear the Lord, uh, if you live foolishly, things will go p uh, poorly. These are probabilities. Generally, these things will be true. Probability speaking, right? Here's a, here's a, here's a simple example kind of a, a modern proverb-ish, if you will. Think about this. Generally, generally speaking, if, if, you, if you diet, right, and eat healthy, whole foods, and if, and if you exercise regularly, then generally that will lead to a healthy, long life, right? General probability. Here's the thing, though. They're not promises, that's, that's so important. The Proverbs are not promises. They're not guarantees of a specific outcome. Even though in the Proverbs you're going to read the language is strong, but we all know that the world doesn't work according to simple formulas, right? The world is broken. The world is complex. And, and all of us understand and recognize that sometimes bad things happen to what we deem as good people. And sometimes good things happen to, to what we see are, are kind of 
bad and like corrupt people, right? In fact, even that general proverb that I think even we all, we all, we all believe, like if you eat well, if you exercise, you live, that leads to a healthier life. But even there, we know and we understand, we know people who are maybe some of the healthiest people we know. They ate all whole and healthy foods and they, they exercised regularly and yet people we know who've gotten sick, people that we know have even died, right? Which is tragic and heartbreaking. But that doesn't mean that diet and exercise doesn't lead to health, right? Are you with me? It's, it's like an exception because of brokenness of sin. It's an exception to the probability of this kind of modern-day proverb of health. Now, this leads us to the other wisdom books. This leads us to the other wisdom books because with the wisdom literature, we need to take them all as a whole because the other books actually focus on the exceptions, if Proverbs focuses on the probabilities, like this is generally what happens, this is wisdom from God that leads to, to God's blessing, generally speaking, the other wisdom books focus on the exceptions. And you need to take them all together to get a fuller picture of life in this world. The other wisdom scrolls in Scripture are the book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Job. Song of Solomon's in there, but for our purposes, the other two are more helpful. Ecclesiastes and Job. These scrolls are part of the wisdom literature and they help balance out the book of Proverbs. Again, some graphics to kind of help us kind of conceptualize this. The Proverbs gives us the wisdom, right? Gives us this wisdom, that, that good and, this good and sound guidance on how to live in a way that honors God and in general is a path that leads toward the good life. But then co- here comes the, uh, the author of Ecclesiastes, Right? who's quoting like this old man who's, who's lived a long life and Ecclesiastes comes along and says, you know what, I've, I've tried living all, I've done all those things. And this word that keeps getting repeated in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's, it's all meaningless. And we're gonna have a whole Sunday on, on, on Ecclesiastes. That translation is maybe not the best. The word in the Hebrew there is vapor. Like it's here in a moment and then it's gone. It's, it's kind of this paradox, right? Uh, there's, right? And then comes Job, who lives the most moral, upstanding life, and yet tragedy strikes. Job comes along and says, whoa, 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 it's not that simple. Sometimes horrible things happen to good people. Do you see the beauty in in how all three of these books work together to paint wisdom? paints a a more full and honest picture of life in this world, the realities, the impact of of sin and brokenness that has polluted and corrupted God's good creation. And I don't know about you, but I think that that these are all in God's word for God's people is is a beautiful thing. It's real and it's honest because wisdom cannot be reduced to a simple formula. Life is more complex. Exceptions, tragic exceptions happen. And here's, here's, here's the thing that we need to fight against. Just a little aside from our, our modern world. Do you, do you realize that when, when we open like an app and, and there's news and the things that are getting headlines, like so often those are kind of the exceptions? Like we hear about tragedy like we, we hear about the things that are unjust and those like, power, those like anecdotal testimonies are powerful to the human heart. And so when, when we get hit by those exceptions over and over, it's really easy to become skeptical, to become cynical, to begin to wonder like, what? We gotta, we gotta fight against that, okay? Let's get to wisdom. There's still wisdom in these words of the Proverbs. The exceptions don't cancel out the wisdom. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 1. Verse 2 begins this way. These are the Proverbs of Solomon of David for gaining wisdom. Proverbs' primary focus is to offer wisdom to the reader or to the listener. Wisdom is the first thing mentioned here in verse 2. But then the author then expands on this topic in the following verses. And, And to be honest, this is where Tim Keller becomes incredibly helpful because each day he kind of draws out these different words and I'm telling you, I could have just 
I could have just read verbatim what he wrote for each day. Um, instead, I'm just going to summarize what he wrote, okay? But let's begin by looking at wisdom, this, this word wisdom, and then from there we'll look at what else the text says, and the text is going to help us kind of look at wisdom, kind of like looking at a gemstone from different angles to kind of give us a fuller picture of this idea, this truth of wisdom. Let's begin with wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is applied knowledge and skill. The Hebrew word for wisdom is chokamah. You want to say that with me? Chokamah. Yeah, you got to kind of get that. Chokamah. One more time. Chokamah. There you go. You guys are all Hebrew scholars now. The book of Proverbs, wisdom is, is again, personified as lady wisdom. There's these four different poems in Proverbs, chapter, chapters 1, chapter 3, chapter, all of chapter 8, and all of chapter 9, where lady wisdom, uh, this perf- personified wisdom, calls out and speaks truth to an audience, right? The idea being that wisdom is this force that guides and directs all who are willing to listen. In fact, even more than that, wisdom is, is an attribute of God. Wisdom is part of God's character. It's this force in the universe. And, and, and wisdom would become personified in Jesus Christ, right? The word made flesh. More on that later. Wisdom, see, is more than, than just knowledge. Wisdom is more than just intelligence. It's applied knowledge. It's applied skill. And there's this moral component to wisdom as well. But even more than that, wisdom guides us even when decisions that need to be made don't necessarily have like a moral component. So there's like some of the biggest decisions that we make in life aren't really right or wrong, but require wisdom and discernment because they, they'll impact our lives. Questions like for, for some of you who are graduating, like, right, where do I go to school? Or what's next? What's the next stage in my life? Like, that requires wisdom. Is it right or wrong? Not necessarily, but it requires wisdom. Or, or where am I gonna where am I gonna go? You know, for a job or for a career. Who who is it that that I'm gonna choose to spend the rest of my life with? Requires wisdom and discernment. And here's the thing about the Proverbs: the book of Proverbs is not intended to be kind of like your your life's cheat sheet, right? Like the answers to the test. It's one of the reasons I think that the Proverbs aren't really ordered in any kind of way. When you read through the, the, if you were just to read the Proverbs, starting in chapter 10, and just read all the, like, there there wouldn't really be a rhyme or reason or organizational pattern. It just feels very random, and I think that's on purpose, because there's no, there's no, like, index to the book of Proverbs so that we can, we can, like, we can go to the, the table of context and be like, I'm looking for wisdom on careers. Oh, chapters 20 through 22, and then we could go there and find, that's not how the book of Proverbs is organized or intended. You cannot look up the answer to all of life's decisions. Instead, the Proverbs invite us in to wrestle with life's complexity and to learn wisdom over time. The book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and and Job, right? And in that, over time, we gain this wealth of wisdom. Okay, so now let's dig into some of the ideas, the words that kind of help deepen our understanding. The first one is wisdom through discipline. Wisdom through discipline. Twice in this passage, verses 2 and 7, uh, paired with this word chokamah, wisdom, is the word translated instruction. For gaining wisdom and instruction, verse 7, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The Hebrew word uh, for ins- translated instruction there is musar. You say that with me? Musar. That's kind of fun. Anyway, it's kind of fun speaking Hebrew. Musar. Here it's helpful to think of instruction, uh, but more, in sp- sp- excuse me, more specifically, instruction with, with strong accountability. Here, think, how many, have you ever played sports and had a coach who was like really hard on you? You know this? I've shared this kind of story before my freshman year of high school basketball. Our coach had us running a whole Saturday, and I'll never forget running the stairs in the, in the high school pool where it's hot and it's humid. It was absolutely miserable, but our coach is pushing us, right, and disciplining us. Why? Because he wanted our team to be the best conditioned team on the court on any given game day, right? I think it worked pretty well, right? But I, I was, it was horrible, right? Or how about this? Think of parenting. 
Think of parenting, right? This is where, where helicopter parenting does a disservice to our children. Because Musar discipline is, is talking about difficult circumstances that form us in helpful ways that bring wisdom. And so if our kids uh, never face a challenge or a problem or a conflict with other kids or students, if we're always helicoptering in, swooping down to prevent them from experiencing any kind of hardship, pain, or challenge or struggle, then they're never going to learn Musar. They're never going to learn how to work and sort through those kinds of things. By doing that, we rob them of wisdom. It's better as parents, as hard as this is, to allow them to learn to solve age-appropriate problems early on in life. And these experiences produce discipline. Musar, that discipline, creates in us this poise, this thoughtfulness, this resourcefulness, this kind of wisdom that gives us a capacity to examine ourselves, examine the situation that we are facing. Discipline. Does that make sense? That's helpful. Wisdom through discipline. Let's, let's keep going. Wisdom through discernment. Wisdom through discernment. Three times in this passage, verse 2, 5, and 6, a word is used. Twice it's translated understanding. You'll see it on the screen there. Once uh, it's actually man of understanding or man of discernment. The discerning is the Hebrew there for understanding words of insight, to let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs and parables. The, word, the Hebrew word here is baina. You say that with me? Baina. Baina. It can be translated insight, or as in verse 5, discernment. Now discernment, here think about the ability to, to discern or decipher the differences between the slightest of variations. Discernment. Here, here uh, I think of artists. Any artists in the room? No one willing? Or, or designers? Any designers? Right? You go to a designer and they have that, that like flip chart thing. Is it called swatches? The color swatch? Am I, am I right? Okay, someone's nodding. Okay, you got a color swatch, right? And I look at that color swatch, and there's like 36 colors, and I'm like, yellow. They're all yellow. But the designer's like, well, no, that's canary, and that's marigold, and I don't, see, I don't even know the names of these, but there's like 36 of them, and the designer can decipher the differences and the nuances bef- between all of those different shades of yellow. Or here, for those who, are, who played sports growing up, right? If you've played a sport or if you know a sport, you watch a sport differently because you see like the subtle little shift or this subtle little move that seems smooth and effortless, but you're like, that little move, that little pass or whatever it was, that took a whole lot of skill. You can see the nuance in the movement of the athlete. Does that make sense? Here for us, I think this practice gets applied when wisdom helps us see nuance and complexity in certain situations in life. This is an important one today because too often, particularly today, right, um, culture wants to kind of put people in two different camps. This group is bad. This group is good. And if you're on the other side, you just switch those, right? Good and bad, and then we pit one another against each other. But this kind, bina allows us to see nuance. That's not, not everything's black and white, right or wrong. There's, there's this nuance, and not everyone fits in two different camps. There's this spectrum, and bina, this kind of discernment, is that that allows us to discern these nuances and differences to see a broader spectrum. Does that make sense? Bina. Third one, wisdom through discretion. This one's similar to discernment. Uh, Let me read verses three through four. For receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. There's actually three different Hebrew words. I'm not going to make you recite them, but those three words kind of have a similar related meaning, discretion or prudence. Haskal, Orma, Mazima. Here these three Hebrew words have similar meanings, prudence or discretion. Here think of of living strategically and practically for what's ahead. 
In fact, in, in the devotional, Tim Keller helps kind of tease out the difference between uh, discernment, which is kind of discerning the present, and discretion, which is kind of looking ahead into the future. He writes this in his entry for January 5. Tim Keller writes this, while discernment is a form of insight into hearts, kind of the mo- present moment, discretion is a form of foresight, knowing what kinds of behavior will lead to what result. So there's some nuance right there. Discretion is is when someone has a vision for what needs to happen and when to do it, right? Something needs to happen. We need to press forward, but but we don't want to press forward too early because there could be some consequences if we make that move too early, but we also don't want to make that move too late. Discretion helps us understand when to move. Uh, Here's a helpful one that I had to learn early on in marriage. Anyone? anyone, Is anyone more wise today than they were when they first got married? Hopefully all of us, right? Right? Um, Knowing when is the right time to work through an issue with your spouse takes some wisdom. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Um, Don't bring up an issue after a long day when both of you are exhausted and at at your wit's end, right? For me, I I think I've shared this before, but when Yvonne and I first got married, we had all of these transitions happening in our lives, right? Uh, We got married, we moved across the country, and so there was just a lot of challenges. And for me, like, to see my beloved, my new bride, like, upset, I mean, that just hurt me so bad. And so for me, like, you know, I'm going to make it right. I'm like, I'm a funny guy, I'm going to make her laugh. Now, is that a good idea? She's upset, like crying, and I'm going to try to make a joke or like act real goofy to cheer her up. Like, that's not discretion, okay? That's not discretion. How and when to move forward in order to get to where we want to be, discretion. Does that make sense? One more, one more from, from our passage, but also this is a lot of just Tim Keller's insight, wisdom through learning. Uh, this one is a little more straightforward. Verse 5 says, Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let, their, let the discerning get guidance. Learning is the Hebrew word, leka. Say that with me, leka, leka. It means learning. Here the idea is simple. The wise continue to learn. The wise continue to learn. We are lifelong learners, right? Knowledge grows, and so the wise have to stay up on it. In fact, I think almost every profession has like continuing education, right? Because information and research continues to grow. Um, the world advances in technology, science, medicine. It's constantly changing, evolving, growing, accelerating. In fact, if you look at our, our media-hungry world, um, right, where, where the premium is getting the news out there first, right? When, when, when the premium is getting the, the news out there first, that doesn't often leave room for diligence and, and fact-checking and making sure it's true. So even information in our media world keeps changing. And so even just staying on accurate information and truth is important. Here's the other thing I'd add about learning. Because we live in the informational age, there is countless, endless amounts of information that you could keep up on. So I think part of wisdom is also knowing what's pertinent information and what's kind of frivolous or or not so important, Um, right? So I could become an expert on the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World series, which I am. Um, But is that like helpful information, right? I mean, I love those movies, but if I know all the quotes from Ian Malcolm, and I do, um, is that helpful? No, right? Um, or, or like sports team, like I can know all of the players and all the, the random statistics and Yvonne can tell you like the Bucks lost in the playoffs and I'm writing down their three-point percentages. To an- Is that going to help me in, in my station in life? No. But am I using up brain capacity? Yes. So part of this is, is understanding what is information we need to know, what information is helpful for us to bring glory to God and to be a witness in this world. That's part of wisdom as well. So wisdom through disciple, disciple, discipline, discernment, discretion, learning. Got it? We good to go? You can skip church the rest of the summer? Hopefully, no, don't do that. No, 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 no. There's one more thing, actually, that we have, to, I, I, we cannot skip over about wisdom. And that comes in verse 7. The fear of the Lord. In a few weeks, we're going to actually spend a whole Sunday on this prominent theme throughout the book of Proverbs. So, so I don't want to go too in-depth. We don't have time to. 
but it, we still have to mention it. Verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. When the Bible uses this phrase, fear of the Lord, don't think of terror or like phobias. That's not the posture we're to have to the, with the Lord, right? Instead, instead, think of it this way. Reverence and awe. When the Bible talks about fearing the Lord, a healthy fear of the Lord is the recognition that God is God and I'm not. God is God and I am not. There's this awe and reverence before God when we realize who God is. When we recognize God's holiness. When we recognize God's power, that, that he is the one that created the heavens and the earth. He is the one that gives us life and being each and every day of our lives. When we recognize who God is, when we recognize his character and his goodness, it produces in us a sense of reverence and awe. And what does that do to the human heart? When we recognize who God is, it produces a humility before God. Because God is like that and I am not. And that humility before God combined with a sense of reverence and awe produces this desire to please God. A moral foundation. Obey his law. To live in a way that brings life and that brings pleasure and glory to God. Because here's the thing. All the things we just mentioned about wisdom, discernment, and discretion, all those things, you can have all of those things, but without the fear of the Lord, it still might not lead you to living in wisdom. And friends, this is where King Solomon is a prime case study in this. King Solomon's fall was because he lost his fear and sense of awe and reverence in the Lord. King Solomon began believing his own hype, right? He turned his back on the Lord. He was still brilliant. He had all the, the intelligence. He knew how to be diplomatic and work other nations. He knew how to win battles. He knew how to rule over his people, but his motivation had shifted. No longer was he working to please the Lord and to establish God's kingdom here on earth Instead, he was working to build his own kingdom, to build his own power and wealth. And what resulted? King Solomon began enslaving his own people. King Solomon had 700 wives and concubines in his own, in his own uh, palace, right? King Solomon led the people of God to pagan worship. And it led to the split of the, God's kingdom. God, they led the split of the kingdom of Israel into two northern, northern and southern kingdoms. So instead of wisdom, he used his intelligence. He became crafty, manipulative, and deceptive. He lost his moral compass. Brilliant, but no longer wise. You see, friends, when we, when we, when we look at our kids, we see it in small ways, Right? They can use their, their smarts. They can be sneaky. They can kind of be manipulative to get out of discipline or to get around some of the rules. They can use that intelligence even if they don't see the fuller picture. But if we're honest, if we turn the mirror at our own lives, we can see the temptation in our own hearts as well. And when you become an adult, the consequences are that much greater. The stakes are that much higher. And we see this temptation to use our intelligence and our smarts to manipulate, to deceive, to kind of to skirt around the rules to get ahead, to build our own kingdoms and power. We can use our smarts unwisely if we lack a fear of the Lord. So here's the question. How do we fight against this temptation? How do we fight against this temptation? Friends, here's the good news. I didn't mention this yet. Did you know today's Pentecost? Today's Pentecost Sunday. 
Pentecost Sunday, which is told in, in Acts chapter 2, is, is the day that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, came and dwelt in and among the followers of Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, who is Christ's presence, now dwelling in and among the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God, the presence of Jesus Christ living inside of each of you. The same Jesus Christ who embodied the wisdom of God while he lived on earth now lives in each of us. And so friends, as the church of Jesus Christ, do you realize that we have direct access to this mysterious truth of wisdom through God's word, through prayer, and don't forget this one in our individualistic kind of culture, through the discernment of the body of Christ. And so my encouragement during this series is that we would listen to the Spirit, that we would lean into Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit to lean into the wisdom of God, to grow in wisdom. And I don't know about you, but I'm actually looking forward to continuing this journey in this summer. Amen? Let's pray and ask the Spirit to continue to lead us. Will you join me? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth in your word and the wisdom. Lord, we thank you that your Spirit dwells and lives among us. That Jesus Christ, your, your very presence, Lord, as I stand right here by the Christ candle, this reminder every Sunday that Jesus Christ, you are here in our midst by the power of the Spirit. Lord, your wisdom has been made available to us. And so, Lord God, we pray that you would grow us in this fear in the Lord, a sense of awe and reverence, a sense of humility and a longing to live in such a way that pleases you, that brings glory to our God in heaven. Lord, we look forward to this summer. We look forward to growing in this gift we call wisdom. May you continue to lead us, not just Sundays, but each and every day of the week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand and worship with us.
So as I was preparing to give the benediction today, I was thinking of this blessing, of which there are several that you can give. And there are two times that the Lord's face is mentioned, um, and they were just kind of hitting me differently today, so I thought I'd share them. The part where it says, the Lord make his face shine upon you. And then the other part is that the Lord turns his face toward you. Both beautiful and powerful ways that the Lord connects with us and attunes his heart toward ours as we reach toward his. And a couple other characteristics that he does for us. He blesses and keeps us. He's gracious toward us. And he gives us peace. So I know I just said it already. But here's our blessing and feel free to reach uh, your hands forward to receive it. And so, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now and forever. Amen. Go in peace.